Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I think you're going to enjoy today's. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. This is a topic that I had not heard of before. Um, let me just say... I have not heard of the title before, but once it was explained, what is this topic? I thought, oh man, I've, I've heard of this all along. I just didn't have words to associate with what I was dealing with or struggling with or, well, let's just say, let's get into the conversation. But just before I do, uh, again, thank you for taking time to join me today. Um, this is going to be a part one of a few conversations um, and perhaps the first conversation will uh, get you in hook, line, and sinker. Um, it's a really, really good discussion. It's called Debunking Divine Command Theory, and I put a, a very small Wikipedia definition below. Um, so it'll be explained as we have this discussion, and as you engage in hearing it, you're going to say at some point, oh yeah, okay, that's what this is. Otherwise, it sounds like an overly, like, big, big theological topic that nobody knows much about. And, oh, I'm not educated enough to, to deal with that topic. Well, we all face this topic. And it fits, and it's, it's found its way into uh, traditional Western Christianity. And uh, it, it's got to be taken care of, because I think it's one of the greatest hindrances to why people um, don't believe in the Trinity, in God, in the real God who is love. So let's just dig in. Uh, don't forget to comment if you're watching. I'd love to know where you're watching from as well. I'm watching this live with you, so I'll interact with anything that's uh, commented. Um, but I'm hearing this for the first time. Uh, we interview, we recorded the interview, but <clears throat> I did not go back and listen to it at all. So this is this is my first full listen. I'm listening with you. So let's dig in. I think you're going to enjoy it. Here we go. All right. Hello, everyone. This is uh, a time to enjoy Still Growing Grace, and we are all growing in our different ways, learning and unlearning, and I'm glad you're taking time to join us today. This is probably the first, well, this is the first conversation we're having in 2023, and uh, uh, Richard, thank you for being here. Bill, thank you for being here. Um, but we got a topic that I don't even understand what the topic is quite yet. I have an idea, but we thought, let's just be real and have this live conversation. You're going to see it pre-recorded, but um, it, when I rewatch it, it's very exciting to hear it for the first time again. And uh, I, I just, I think it's amazing. So uh, let's, let's do a quick catch up, um, uh, remind people where you live and just give us a, like a 10 second summary of uh, this new year transition thing. Cause we're into a brand new year and then we'll get into the topic. Okay, well, I, I'm down in Georgia, uh, as, as is Bill, but I'll let him tell you that he is in Georgia. <laughs> but I'm in Georgia, in Dalton, Georgia, just south of Chattanooga, across the Georgia line. And I, I'm a practicing attorney, but, um, you know, that's uh, uh, that's 10 seconds. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in I'm in Georgia as well. I'm, I'm closer to the Atlanta area. I'm in, in, in 
you know, the the kind of outskirts of Metro Atlanta in Cherokee County in, a, in an area called Woodstock and uh, lived here for the better part of my life. And uh, I, I run an audiovisual company day in, day out and blessed with a beautiful wife and two uh, high school age kids. And yeah, oh, that's the stress lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got one in college, one in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. And I'm located in uh, Southern Ontario, Kitchener-Waterloo area. I live in Elmira, Ontario, which is where I'm recording this from. I got a beautiful wife and three uh, grown-up kids and no kids at home at the moment. Um, there you go. Hey. Two, are, two are moved out and one is in, in college and comes back every once in a while. So that's that's our summary. All right. Um, Richard, I got to I gotta say this as a maybe compliment. Who knows? Um, but you just mentioned you're an attorney. But all the stuff you're posting, it's like deep. It's like what uh, we can't even keep up with, with all the posts of thoughts and uh, you're not even trying to build a ministry. And that's so, it seems like you're more free to write freely when you're not trying to do that because you have a different job. Uh, you didn't expect me to ask this, but does, does that connect to you? Like, do you, do you sense that or what's going on there? Cause that's fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm just blessed um, that that I that I can do that. I I've often, you know, I couldn't write a book now. I mean, I've written some books, you know, some self-published stuff, but and and I did it in the days when I was really vehement and gung ho and all that. And I and I don't regret any of it. I mean, I'll you know, but I'm at a place now where I just write because I like to write and I like to share and express and bless and and learn and and uh i don't like to be corrected but i, ah! I <laughs> none I, of us I'm, learning, I'm learning to not be uh, antagonistic about it uh but anyway yes I, it's a lot of uh, a lot a lot of freedom because i do have another vocation that lets me kind of go and write just what's on me for the day and the beautiful thing about facebook is you can come back again next year see what you wrote correct it edit it streamline mm -hmm. it it, it literally is a book. It literally is each of us a book that we that we've written. And uh, if anyone you know ever cares to really look at your life, they could just stream through your Facebook post. When when we when we hit it from that angle, you know that yeah. this is where where I'm at with the Lord, with and with with the body of Christ, and you know just with love, with the concept of love, and all those things. I mean, so I have a lot. You know, I have a lot of when, when I'm when I'm not at work. I have a lot of time to, to write. So even though it's all more like uh, paragraphs and articles and essays, it's not really any kind of thematic book. Although the theme is the same, but it's not like it's, it connects in any book form or anything, ministry form. And I don't even know what ministry means anymore. That's right. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm envious in a healthy way of how you can just write so easily, so quickly. Um, Bill Thrasher, same thing. Bill, you write uh, all the time in the Jesus Purpose group. I just gave two of your books away to two couples in my church this morning. Um, it was written in 2016, I believe, was the publishing year. And so, again, um, both of you are working. In, I'm in this ministry role, and and uh, uh, I don't get paid full time, but I have multiple jobs to try and keep things going. So it's funny how uh, if your paycheck is tied to what you say, sometimes that can hinder or manipulate things. And it seems like there's so much freedom in these conversations that we have. And I'm really thrilled to be connected to you guys. I mean, All right. Me too. 
Let's get into this. Richard, you had a topic that uh, you thought was really important that we should kind of begin a discussion on. I'm eager to hear what it is. Why don't you just express it and then we'll we'll start to banter. Well, it's something it, I really consider it maybe the fundamental sickness that we that we all have. You know, uh, we've talked before about I think it was a. Uh, oh, um, um, Chesterton. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, who said, we're all seasick and we're all in the same boat, you know, and I, I think that's a healthier way to look at it than that we're all pathetic slobs, you know, type of thing. That's that's the beatdown gospel that we don't buy into anymore. But we are there. This is a fractured world and there, there's fractured understanding. There's alienation. Uh, we're alienated in the spirits of our minds, you know, Paul said. And, and so anyway, I've been going through this long journey trying to find out what is it? What is the what is the source of this alienation? What is how does it how does it uh, show itself? And I think this week I've gotten some real clarity on it. And it's before it's really, you, before you do that, define your alienation. You're assuming people will know what that is. So define the alienation. Then it'll make more sense when you get to your next thing. I'm just catching that now. Well, it's like the the very concept of parental alienation in in the legal field has to do with divorcing parents, battling parents who are divorcing, and they might alienate the feelings of their child toward the other parent. Mm. So that they so they then start projecting things on that parent and and then their lives. It's like a slander job. Uh, but the other the other parents trying to establish a foothold so they can be the primary custodian. So well that get, doesn't happen oh, in divorces, does it? <laughs> yeah, sadly. It's one of the ugliest dynamics there I is. See it too. But if if you use the metaphor though, there for us, we we have an alienation towards God as, as our as our heavenly father, as our heavenly parent, as our heavenly mother. There's there's things that we're misguided about that, that keep us alienated and out of relationship with him. Not that or her, you know, however you want to phrase it. I'm 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 jiggy with it all. All right. But God is 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 everything. God is transcendent. And uh, but that's another point to talk about today is the transcendence of God. But we are in an alienated state. Our thinking, we don't in our own natural thinking, think spiritually. It, you know, thinking spiritually is something we we occasionally slide in and out of, but it's supposed to be a continual state and it is available to us as a continuous state, but it's all relational. It is a relational thing. So until we are in, we are in abiding relationship with, with the father, that like Jesus was, he abided in relationship with him. There was no alienation. All right. Jesus was never alienated from his father on any level. So we track down what we can do is try to track down. What is the, why, why are we alienated? Why do we think wrong thoughts? Why do we presume certain things? Why haven't we challenged certain strongholds that we think about God that are unworthy and that paint him as, as a bipolar monster rather than as a loving father. So having gone through all that, I feel like I've gotten some clarity this week and uh, uh, on this, on this, where this comes from and, and whether people who practice what I'm about to share may have never heard the term of what it's called. All right. But I think when we talk about it and, uh, and, and, and this is, um, you know, to kind of put it on a parallel track too, I've, I've also been reconsidering what is it exactly? What is the gospel? the gospel that we confess. You know, I know what it was when I, when I, when I was born again, I know I confess Jesus was Lord, but really what is, is, is that the best way to say it is it, because there's a lot of baggage with that, with that, you know, with that phrase. And yet it's a wonderful phrase too. 
But what is what is the essence? Can we crack that nut open and see really what is it we're confessing? What is it to confess Jesus? All right. So all that by way of saying this this cancer that I'm talking about that I believe is 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 um uh, is all over the. Uh, sorry, my screen just went off. Let me. We can still uh, see it. You're fine. Okay. Um, it's called. It's been recognized before as the divine command theory. Hmm. All right. Now, the way the divine command theory works is it is a belief that there is no virtue apart from God. So that anything God does is automatically good, no matter how it looks. All right. So that they would read the Old Testament where God seems to be commanding rape. And uh, they're called the war rape. The war rape passages or genocide. When God commands these things, well, it's not evil because God commands it. Because God commanding it makes it good. It makes it transcendently good. And I cannot tell you what an evil doctrine that is and how it perverts. We do it without even thinking about it. How many people have you heard, well, why do you follow that particular thing in the Old Testament? Well, because God commanded it. If God commanded it, it's true and it's just. Because his ways are higher than my ways. Exactly. Him commanding it. I don't care how it sounds. I don't care if it's talking about stoning rebellious children, um, you know, or or stoning this person or adulterers or whatever. I'm doing all that. Killing, you know, mauling, destroying, oppressing, afflicting with sickness. That Because God commands it, it's good. All right. So, you know, and they used to think this way in the ancient world, even about the gods. Uh, you know, Plato hit the thing about, well, is something good because God commands it or does God truly command it because it's good? Hmm. All right. So think about that for a minute. Does God commanding it make it good so that we don't even, you know, use our conscience to to try to tap into what's going on here? So or, we're, robot, we're robots controlled by a program. Exactly. Exactly. So so this you see a lot of this in Calvinistic thoughts. You know, that God commands it, that there's that double, uh, terrible decree, you know, is the double predestination. Some of us are predestined. He commands us to go to hell before we're ever born, and others he commands to go to heaven, you know, and it's all good because he commanded it. Him commanding it makes it good. Well, oh, all right. So do you, you get the picture about that? I'll give you an example. Let me give you a perfect example. This is out of Luke 9. Um and, and, and y'all chime in at any point here, because I, I you know, this is really free-flowing what we're doing. But um, this is Jesus going around. And listen to this. I never even noticed this, this particular part of the passage. And it, it, he's walking with the disciples, and he set his face. He's about to set his place, face to go to uh, Jerusalem. He says in, in verse 51, And it came about when the days were approaching for his ascension. That's what I had never noticed before, his ascension. All right? So I think that's kind of a hint about what this is talking about. And his ascension, let's look at ourselves as we're walking along in the days of his ascension. He wants to ascend in, 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 into, into, into everything. He wants mm-hmm. to take us with him. He's ascending and he wants to take us with him. All right. But at, in the days that we're approaching for his ascension, that he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him. And they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. And they did not receive him because he was journeying with his face for Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he then, but Jesus then turned and rebuked them, 
and they went on to another village. And if you look at it, if you look at other translations, it actually mentions Elijah. That do you like Elijah did in the Old Testament? Do you want us to call down fire on them and destroy them for rejecting us? Um, and uh, Jesus said, uh, actually, I'm reading the wrong version of this, so you're just going to have to believe me. The version in the King James and the New King James, it says that Jesus said that you know not what spirit you're of. I came to save men and not destroy them. I came to save humanity and not destroy humanity. Now, where do you see the divine command in that story? Hmm. Where, where, do you, where do you, does anything leap out at you? Where does the divine well, From the disciples who are going back to the old way of thinking and saying, well, God obviously justified it there. Therefore, it must be good. Therefore, we must command the same thing onto the people who have rejected you, Jesus. Yeah, perfect. And what's or imperfect, perfectly imperfect <laughs> in commanding that. What, what, what's the logic of it? There, no one's listening to God now. Yeah. All right. God isn't saying anything now because but the thought is because he did it then because he said it then. And that's the same way people are with the Old Testament today, because oh. the says that then I think it it's is worse. They're actually taking the New Testament the same way and getting literal and got to do what Jesus did. What what would Jesus do? Mentality comes out of all that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a big can of worms we're talking about here. This this opens up a lot of stuff. And, and but 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 the logic of it is because God because we think God commanded it once, we don't even question it. We it's it, it's commanded today. And where on earth does that come from? I mean, that's religious, illogical. religious leaders. Yes. Who are not allowed to be questioned. And, yeah. And what it does is it, it does keep us captivated. And we don't even we're not free thinking. We're not even engaging. We're not engaging God. We're doing the very thing. You know, Jesus was so happy with Peter. I posted on this yesterday because, because he engaged with God. He said, Oh, praise God. Flesh and blood didn't tell you this, Peter, but my mm. father who's in heaven just told you that. That's what made Jesus happen. Happy was that Peter had an unmediated interaction with the Lord. So this whole thing about commands is, 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 is you know, that is, is really, is really sick. So, so where, where, where I've been at this week with it, how do we know, how do we know a command? All right. It's, let's say we think even even if we think God told us something, you know, even if we think God is prompting us, is that all there is to it? Well, my best thought now is I'm being commanded, so I'm going to do it without questioning. You know, I'm going to take my child up there and uh, sacrifice him to the Lord like Abraham. It, anybody could hear any bizarre thing and think it's commanded by God. So here's my question. What is it, though? What what there has to be there has to be a witness an affirmation is this a command of God I'm following I mean He also commands us to love each other but is that all there is to it Oh okay He's commanded us to love Okay I'm gonna love I'm gonna start loving you know or it, does there have to be something that catalyzes it something that goes with it And I'm excited about what I think that catalyzing agent is Okay I think that catalyzing agent is the nature of Jesus. Okay, the things that would let me know that a message to go kill or rape or destroy, I know is not of God. How do I know that it's not of God? Because it's not. Okay, and because Jesus lives in us. So so then the 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 Jesus nature, the Jesus goodness becomes our uh, we said the word earlier, but it becomes our prophylactic. It protects us from lapsing into poor judgment and into wrong judgments about God. And you see these wrong judgments all in the Old Testament. They're right there to see. 
you know, the things we, the horrible things. We and even moreover, they, they continue beautifully. And, and I say this in a weird way into the new Testament mm-hmm. transparently, right? Peter still doesn't have it all figured out. Exactly. Yeah. Some time. Yeah. Like, we see the allowance of this process take place, obviously through the old Testament and even into the emergent kind of conversation of this new way of thinking and understanding through the through the disciples who become then um you know the the um ah. so and this is new to yeah. them right that's right the yes. apostles yes they become Correct. the apostles because, the word I was looking for. because it's not new today it's yeah. old it's just new to us so to speak i think well, it's it's both right but you know what but, i mean yeah, yeah i think it's both it's it's new to anyone who encounters the the true nature of christ for mm. the first time yeah. Right. So while it's maybe not new in linear time, anytime someone walks into this presence of the living, breathing presence of Jesus, and we understand him from kind of, kind of major to cross and that life that he displayed and revealed to us, and that that's the nature of God, that's the exact representation of the Father. And we get to compare that now to anything we think is divinely related we start to walk more closely in alignment with what Richard's talking about, where we're, I guess, as, as Peter said, as Paul said, we have to take, take every thought captive, right? Take yeah. every single thought and go, okay, use Jesus as the measuring stick, right? Is, is, is this measure up to his level of love, to his standard of responsiveness to the spirit? Um, you know, every moment that we interact may be slightly different than we anticipate, because every moment is unique in how love may want to express itself. And that that defies law. That defies sometimes even logic. It does it's not always cut and dry. We have to have we have to be walking in relationship with with you know the creator who looks exactly like Jesus in order to encounter that. It makes it much harder, but it also makes it much more beautiful because we want we just give us the rules, give us the king, give us the edict, give us the, give us what we're supposed to do. We'll do it. This is the antithesis of this. This is, this is the flow of, of experiencing life, light and love in every moment and, and falling on our face every once in a while. And, and only to realize that even when we do so, it's still wrapped in this, um, this, this assurance that all things are going to be reconciled for good even when something it and so I think that's the, that's that's what Jesus we see him live out in in the in the course of his ministry and we get to kind of come alongside him and begin to encounter quote unquote God however we understand it in that way and, and start to now hopefully reflect that. Amen. And he 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 accommodates our misunderstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Every time. And I, he's not saying I am that way. He's saying, I'm going to show you as much as you can take today. I'm going to correct you as much as you can take today. Right. You know, I'm not going to overwhelm you. Okay. More than you can handle. I'm going to give you exactly what we're just going to walk through this together and listen, I'm, I'm at the point where I think that this verse has always stunned me in first John one five, you know, cause John was the beloved disciple. And of course that only means that John recognized his belovedness, that the thing about John, we're all beloved disciples, but John recognized his belovedness. So that's somebody who knew the love of God. And not a prideful thing either. That's an authentic identity thing. Well, 
he was faster than Peter and made oh. sure he knew. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Sons of Thunder, right? <laughs> that's right. So, uh, so this, so this is one of my favorite passages, and it's one of y'all's too, I know. But First John one five, John the Beloved says this. And this is the message we have heard from Jesus and announced to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. That is it in its most distilled core form. It has to do with his nature. The whole point. So when we receive Jesus, you know, I'm all into the Lord and Savior. Yes, that's true on, on a lot of levels. But he's so much more than that. He is the light of the world. Jesus mm. is the light of who? The light of some people who say the right prayer. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but there's no darkness at all. And this isn't just talking. In fact, it's not even talking. Bright. It's talking metaphysical darkness. It's talking yeah. moral darkness. It's talking every kind of darkness you can think of. There's no darkness in it. So I'm beginning to think that the leap of faith is our leap into that. The mm. leap of faith. I don't think we grow in our faith. If we just take, okay, Jesus is Lord. Yeah, but he does command war rape and he does command this and he does command this and, and, and he's going to smite us and eternally torture us if we don't obey him to the letter and if we ever reject him. I mean, that 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 is not the real Jesus. So Jesus is here living in our conscience. You know, Origen said that the human conscience is the chamber of justice. That That's that's the chamber where Jesus explains things to us. That And um, so... So can, can, our, can I take that step further just for a second? Sure. So it's not uh, what you're saying is true that Jesus lives in our conscience, but there's another layer of understanding that Jesus is fused with us. We are one in union with Jesus, not just in, otherwise there's two of us in our conscience. And so in my mind, that's how I'm hearing. I want to make sure that we don't, nobody can hear a dualistic thinking here, but there's a union here. And for the sake of terminology, that's a place where Jesus experiences clearly in our conscience. Is that, would that be fair? Yes. 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 I, 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 I think so. It's, it's bearing witness. The spirit bears witness yeah. in us. And whenever you see the spirit, just think the spirit of Jesus. Yeah. Paul right. called it the spirit of Christ. It's not two different things. It's the same thing. His spirit lives in us and, and it's the conscience that is the witness. So if our conscience, now we can have a defiled conscience before we received the message of no darkness. But once we receive them, and I'm not talking about receiving the message of no darkness just up here in our head, although that's nice too, but I'm talking about receiving it in our heart. I'm talking about taking that Kierkegaardian leap of faith into this principle. I, I know that that's what we've all, all three of us have done this. We have leaped off the cliff of, of, an, of an oppressive, bipolar God into this, into this yeah. non-dualistic light God, Jesus, and Jesus is, but I mean, uh, Brad posted, Brad Jerzak posted a wonderful meme. I can't remember who said it, but it was that transcendence now has a face and the face is Jesus. Jesus is the face of transcendence. So his human nature, which makes it all, he's not transcended in the sense that, well, he's above good and evil, you know, and if he wants to kill uh, you know, if he wants to wipe out an entire nation because, you know, because they've flirted with demons or because they've done this and he wants to kill children and the mentally ill and all that and flood the world and all that. I mean, where is our conscience when we hear stuff like that? Our yeah. conscience, the Jesus conscience in us just should be going, no, and, no. And, and, you know, to, to dial it back even on a more, I guess, just personal and practical level. 
I mean, we're talking about kind of the the big picture commands of God, you know, nations being destroyed, genocide. Conversely, I mean, this happens on an interpersonal level with each one of us. I mean, that God justifies the smallest of our unloving behaviors toward one another, that God's behind me in my vengeful spirit that my boss was a jerk today and I hope karma gets him. The person that cut me off in traffic, well, I'm going to say a little prayer because, God, I want to make sure they get a flat tire, right? We we can light on the big, but, man, it's just as applicable in the smallest areas of our heart where we think that God is kind of on our team. And when we have an inclination toward that karmic, karmetic kind of experience, you know, or vengeance or violence or any of these kind of things that were justified in our position of divine providence or divine position that God's on our team and against someone else. And I think that's what you're saying, Richard, is, is this is how, when you crack this Pandora's box open, how deep this, this rabbit hole really goes of how it influences everything we do as people day in, day out in every interaction of relationship we have with one another, with ourselves, with our society, with our, our environments, everything. My mother literally said, and she said a number of times, but towards the, I had a confrontation with her once and she said, God is going to get you for this. She called me son of Satan at that point. And I thought, what what does that make you? But anyway, it was just, 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 to me, it was funny, but she literally used the jargon of God's going to get you because I wasn't buying into her logic or I really disagreed or said something she absolutely could not agree with. And that was the leverage of my German Baptist background teaching. So you're wondering about conscience. I I thought as you were talking about conscience, where does, where does it get changed? And I remember my conscience beliefs, if you want to call that, I don't know how we can define it, but that's okay. Um, My conscience told me in youth group uh, that there's something off about the hell teaching that I was being taught. Mm -hmm. And I was in a youth group, but, but the pastor condemned any opposition. Therefore, my conscience was squelched and I was not allowed to learn to trust it anymore. So it's almost like church squelched my ability to believe and trust the spirit in me. I could no longer hear the spirit because now I had to rely on a system or a book or teachers for the real answer and the correct interpretation. And when you have such awful interpretation, just so, like, go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, so I, th- I think we're getting to a wrap up point and it's really yeah, right. Rich- Richard had teed this conversation up with all of us prior to obviously. Uh, so I got some notes that are, are basically right at the heart of exactly what you're talking about, Mike, that I think okay. will lead perfectly in our, we'll come back now. to it then. Okay. That's right. Well, let's do that. Let's just wrap this up. This is a good teaser, a 30 minute <laughs> teaser, like, wow, this could go on for a while, but um, yeah. let's wrap this up. And then folks, we'll see you next week on this and we'll continue part two. I think this is going to be great. And we're going to wear the same shirts just so you know. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Funny, we wore each other shirts when we came back. Oh, oh. Nice. <laughs> All right. Turn this off. Here we go. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, Jane. Good to see you watching. Haven't seen you for a while. It's great. Hello, Kevin. I see you sitting there watching. Um, you obviously know those other guys. Where are you watching from? I'd love to know where. Uh, Jane, I think you're in New York. I think. I think. I think. I think. At least in the state of New York. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Part two is going to be next week. Um, we're going to probably record a couple more on that topic. Um, did you notice this? That 
while there's a fancy title for it, we we've been exposed to this for a long time, and uh, I think it uh, it's a critical topic that must be talked about, so it doesn't become uncomfortable to talk about. Because sometimes when you hear a topic like that, you, we can feel intimidated and not engage in it because it we don't know what fully it is and we could say something wrong but now uh we move on i know great topic i love it um so yeah charlottesville that's cool thanks kevin and jane's in upstate well upstate i'm gonna guess new york so anyway um that's it i'm gonna run it is time we're going we're trying to keep these to 35 minutes long uh at least the interviews ish um but you know that's the way it is so i hope you enjoyed that share that if you liked it and uh we will catch you next week if you want to have a different kind of uh message on sunday mornings i'm live every sunday and uh, it's just encouraging to a a church family an online church family because it's merged now it's hybrid so uh yeah it's just a different different style and a different topic uh, um, here on still growing grace i get to deep dive into some really heavy duty topics um, whereas with hope fellowship we're kind of walking through a journey of growing and learning and it's a lot slower and more gentle so anyway that's all we got you guys have a really great day we'll catch you next time and here we go Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.